This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good morning, Vancouver. Thank you, Vancouver! The final hours of a divisive campaign, and for the first time in history, all four frontrunners are in B.C. Plus. Everywhere we go! All the right moves and sounds. How scouts scare off a bear attacking their Mount Seymour campsite. And... People come in knowing who they are going to vote for. It doesn't matter what the burger is. The BC burger poll that may not reflect the expected outcomes tomorrow night. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Colleen Christie. Thanks for joining us. After 40 long days of campaigning in the federal election, it has come down to a fight for votes right here in this province. For the first time ever, the leaders of the four front-running parties are all in British Columbia with just hours to go before the polls open. The Conservatives Andrew Scheer, the Liberals Justin Trudeau, the NDP's Jagmeet Singh and the Greens Elizabeth May all stumping for votes in the lower mainland and Vancouver Island today in what's turning out to be battleground BC. Grace Key has our coverage. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Vancouver. Thank you, Vancouver! Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Can Thank I have you. a photo Yes, let's do it. Thank you. I raise my hands to all of you. All four party leaders have chosen to focus their last crucial day of campaigning in Metro Vancouver. B.C. has become an important battleground for votes and what's expected to be a tight race. Now, when we look at the map here, and particularly uh, downtown Metro Vancouver and on the island, there's a lot up for grabs. These uh, seats are unsettled. The margins are thin. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau had a full day with five different stops. West Vancouver, Port Moody, Surrey, Vancouver, and then ending in Victoria. We know that protecting our nature is the best way to build not just opportunities and a better future for our kids, but a strong economy as well. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer hit a couple of spots in Vancouver before heading to West Vancouver and Surrey. A minority government was one of the themes at the rallies. A Trudeau-led government with the NDP calling the shots would be the worst possible outcome for Canadians. Nice to meet you. Want to give the... Yeah, let's do it. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh visited a couple of spots in Vancouver and then headed to Surrey. Uh, I've said I'm open to working with anyone except for the Conservatives. Green Party leader Elizabeth May joined a march for missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls in Vancouver. She also made an announcement on electoral reform before ending her day on Vancouver Island. We need to inoculate our democracy against a future dangerous demagogue who's able to get 100% of the power. It was in Vancouver that Scheer was asked for his reaction to Ontario supporters chanting lock him up at a rally when talking about liberal corruption. Supporters started chanting lock him up in reference to Justin Trudeau. That phrase has a very negative connotation. How did it make you feel to hear that? 
Well, last night there were uh, a couple of individuals who started a chant that was quickly turned into a vote out chant. In just a few hours, voters will head to the polls with leaders focusing their last-ditch efforts on the battleground in B.C. Grace Key, Global News. And the latest numbers indicate a divided nation. An Ipsos poll done exclusively for Global News shows the Conservatives and Liberals in a statistical dead heat with both parties up one percentage point since last week. The NDP in, is in third place, down two points to 18 percent. The Greens have six percent, down two points. The People's Party at three percent. And the Bloc Québécois remains steady with seven percent of the popular vote. Okay, Keith Baldry joins us now for some analysis. Now, Keith, uh, four of the front runners are here in BC for the first <laughs> time in history. What is that indicating to you? Well, I think I think it speaks to the fact that uh, literally B- BC may determine whether there's a majority-minority government elected on Monday night. So it's unprecedented, as you mentioned. All four leaders spent ending their campaigns. Elizabeth May in the capital, Justin Trudeau in Victoria. Interesting, he's going to the enemy territory there. Uh, the, the Liberals don't hold that seat. Uh, Andrew Scheer finished in Richmond and. Jagmeet Singh, of course, finishing in Burnaby South. That's his home riding. So unprecedented, but again, it speaks to the fact BC is potentially much more important than it has been in the past. Well, most federal elections are called mm-hmm. before the polls even close yeah. in BC. What do you see this happening this time? I don't think that's going to be the case. Now, it could very well be, again, Ontario has so many ridings, Colleen, and if one of the parties does particularly well there, uh, we could have it over by the time you know we hit uh, our particular uh, time zone. But I think BC is going to determine whether or not there's a majority or a minority uh, situation. I think that's why there's a lot of attention, much more attention in the past on what happens in BC, which is, again, back to why the leaders were here. We haven't seen that before on the last day of the campaign. It's going to be a very interesting race. I Thanks, can't wait Keith. to cover it. Yes, looking forward to that too. Thanks so much. Millions of Canadians will head to the polls when they open at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. One BC man says casting his ballot is more important than ever after the logging industry slowdown turned his life upside down this past summer. But now he feels like he's being denied his democratic right. Kristen Robinson explains. This past summer, Curtis McMeans packed his life into his fifth wheel to find work in the Lower Mainland. Everybody's scared about the future. This campground is full of people that have already given up hope. The log truck owner-operator not broken yet, despite temporarily abandoning his livelihood and home in Anaheim Lake. Once they raised the stumpage fees before they could even take effect, the gates were closing on the mills and they were falling like dominoes. Now driving for the film industry, McMeans is paying rent on his Surrey mobile pad, plus a mortgage on his West Chilcotin home and a business loan on his park truck. I just want to be able to have a say in this election. I'm not the only person that's been displaced looking for work. Elections Canada, he says, initially told him he could vote in Surrey's advance polls with a proof of address form and ID, but later called to say they were wrong. I wasn't going to be allowed to vote unless I was voting in my riding 14 hours away. Extremely frustrating. I just want to have my say. Elections Canada says McMeans can vote on election day if an eligible voter vouches for him at his three polling station. They must live in the same district and confirm in writing that they know him and that he resides here. The vouching option only available because McMean's circumstances are unique. He does not have a permanent home at this time, although he does have a place of residence. The park's administrator told Global News she's willing to vouch for McMean's. It's my duty as a Canadian to vote. I take that very seriously because I've had 
relatives that have fought and fought and died for for our rights. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And we want to remind you that there will be a special edition of the News Hour tomorrow night from 5 until 6. Then at 6 p.m., Donna Friesen for, to join Donna Friesen, that is, for Decision Canada, our federal election results special. And that is followed by Sophie Louie and Keith Baldry, who will host After the Vote, taking a closer look at the outcome and what happened right here in B.C. It's only a matter of weeks before bears begin to hibernate for the season, and there was no clearer sign of that than a frightening encounter on the North Shore recently. As Jill Bennett reports, a black bear attacked a scout's campsite at Mount Seymour Provincial Park. And then right there at that tree, we saw a huge black silhouette. That was the first of two bear encounters involving a Richmond scout group on a camping trip at Mount Seymour Provincial Park Thanksgiving weekend. We tried to scare the bear away. It went actually out to the outhouse area and it kind of broke a part of the door frame over there. Thinking the bear was gone, the group leaders with 21 Sea Scouts continued on with the trip. They'd already spent the first night sleeping in tents in the grassy area beside this cabin. But later that evening, while the group was gathered around a campfire, the bear returned and again showed no fear. We're doing our campfire and one of the scouts noticed that uh, there was shuffling in the back and as soon as we flashed the flashlight, there was the bear again. Everywhere we go! Everywhere we go! People always ask us! The group started making loud noises to scare the bear away. That worked, but unfortunately, it destroyed their tents on the way. They were all wrecked and all torn and there were claw marks, bite marks. He says there was no food in the tents, but there was a bottle of sunscreen. Anything like that, toothpaste, uh, and even um, crumbs in a uh, sleeping bag from a previous uh, fun night and camping out could be enough for a bear to smell. For the second night, the scouts all slept inside the cabin, safe and with a great story to take home. It was a pretty good experience, even for the kids. It was interesting for them and it taught them a lot about bear safety being like a first-hand experience. As far as us camping, um, I'm not too sure if we'll come back to this specific campsite. Jill Bennett, Global News. More beef products sold across Canada are being recalled because of possible E. coli contamination. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency is recalling more than 800 beef and veal products sold across the country. Riding Regency Meat Packers and St. Anne's Foods could possibly be contaminated with E. coli. Whole Foods is the latest grocery chain to be affected. Potentially contaminated meat was also sold at Walmart and other retailers across the country. A proposed change to a popular 5K run could mean more traffic tie-ups in downtown Vancouver. Organizers of the Scotiabank Half Marathon want to modify the route and time of next year's 5K run around Lost Lagoon to improve safety and accessibility. It would require a three-hour morning closure of Stanley Park Drive, Avison Way and Pipeline Road. The Park Board will vote on the route change on Tuesday. The run attracts around 6,700 participants every year. It was Thanksgiving all over again for hundreds in downtown Vancouver today. The Salvation Army Harbor Light served up a Thanksgiving feast to some 1,500 people. The organization has offered the special dinner for more than 65 years, always hosting it after the official holiday to ensure it, the meals don't overlap with other charities and so that everyone in need can enjoy a turkey dinner. 
we couldn't do this without our volunteers. They're amazing. We have volunteers here who are individuals, families, uh, groups here from different companies around Vancouver, and they all come together to help us make this possible. I'm an ex-addict, so this place has done a lot for me. Uh, it got me off the streets and away from violence, and I'm a better person for it today. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We're learning more about Greta Thunberg's visit to Alberta this week. After the Swedish teen activist's controversial visit to Edmonton on Friday, she made her way north to the heart of oil country, stopping in Fort McMurray. As Sarah Comedina reports, her visit highlights a divided community. Friday, Edmonton saw one of the largest protests at the Alberta legislature the city has ever seen. Thousands came to show support for climate activist Greta Thunberg, and pro-pipeline supporters gathered to show their disapproval of the teen's visit to the province. Saturday, a much smaller gathering, as Thunberg met leaders of First Nations in the Fort McMurray area. I think for ourselves, as First Nations or Indigenous groups, we have always practiced our stewardship of the land. You know, and that's how we actually dealt it together yesterday. Mikasu Cree First Nation Chief Archie Walkland says he was among those who invited Thunberg. We talked about how Indigenous groups are actually working in the area with the oil sands. Okay, that's uh, very important for us because, you know, if we don't take advantage of any work that's there now, then we're left with nothing. Thunberg was conducting interviews for a BBC documentary on her work on climate change. Government and Industry Relations Director Melody Lapine was also a part of it. She has been working on environmental issues as long as Thunberg has been alive. The teen inspires her. It brings um, awareness to the issues in northeastern Alberta that, you know, we are dealing with climate issues up here. Um, I mentioned, you know, the drawing of the delta, loss of water, uh, cumulative effects. Um, and, you know, we do need to do a better job, I think, in managing uh, the environment up here. Lapine hopes Thunberg's passion leads to a transition plan by industry leaders to shift away from fossil fuels and create jobs elsewhere. I think everybody needs to understand that this is not uh, for or against, but this is about just improving and making our future much better for everyone. And though she's visited the heart of the oil sands, her messages well in Alberta have avoided direct criticism of the revenue generator. Sarah Comedina, Global News. A new downtown mural shows an image of Thunberg, an Edmonton street artist, says it took him about two and a half hours to complete, adding he hopes the mural continues to, uh, the discussion about climate change. But just hours after going up, the mural was defaced today. The painting near the Edmonton legislature was covered in spray paint with slurs over the teen's face and messages saying, this is oil country. Sockeye salmon are beginning to return from the ocean to spawn in freshwater, and in the Okanagan this year has particular significance. For the first time since the 1950s, sockeye will be able to return to their spawning grounds in Okanagan Lake. Shelby Tom explains why. You see what almost looks like a cave, but it's not. That, the fish ladder is hidden in there. For the first time in decades, spawning sockeye salmon will return to Okanagan Lake. A fish ladder left inoperable after the Penticton Dam was built in the 1950s has been restored by the Okanagan Nation Alliance and Federal Fisheries. Last week, a crane was used to remove a wooden gate blocking off the narrow concrete passage, a momentous occasion for First Nations and conservationists like Lee McFadden. To watch that gate go up and to know that the fish can finally return to their historic grounds 
was a tearful moment. A tearful moment because of the extensive restoration efforts that have been underway since 2008 to save Okanagan sockeye. Construction of dams, channelization, urban encroachment and water management practices have all contributed to the depletion and near extinction of fish stocks within the Okanagan River Basin. The late 1990s, about a thousand fish returned. That really is the brink of extirpation. But thanks to projects like the Okanagan River Restoration Initiative, sockeye have made a resurgence. Are you people gathered here for the fish program? Yes, we are. The public invited on Sunday to celebrate the return of sockeye coming home after a perilous 6,000-kilometer journey to the ocean and back. Many nature lovers eager to get a glimpse of the new ladder although it was difficult to spot any fish. I'm so excited that salmon are actually going to be going up after 50 years. I think it's, it's fantastic. That would be really cool, so I hope that happens. It's uh, such a big part of the culture, and the Indigenous people uh, put so much work into it. Upwards of 30,000 sockeye are en route to Penticton, considered a low return. But McFadden is optimistic next season will be a banner year. And with a passageway through the dam, they'll finally be able to return home. Shelby Tom, Global News. Two suspects are in hospital after police fired at them at a Calgary military parade. The man and woman in their 20s were driving a car towards the event, ignoring road barriers. Police blocked them with a patrol car, then opened fire when they tried to flee. The pair was arrested after they collided with a vehicle. Police say national security partners are now also engaged in the investigation. A major reversal from U.S. President Donald Trump. He has announced on Twitter next year's G7 summit will not take place at one of his Florida properties. The 180 comes amid criticism from both Democrats and Republicans. President Donald Trump reversing course on hosting foreign leaders at the annual G7 summit at the Trump Doral Golf Resort. I thought I was doing something very good for our country. We will begin the search for another site. At this year's G7 summit in the south of France, Trump seemed intent on showing off his resort in South Florida. With Doral, we have a series of magnificent buildings. We call them bungalows. They each hold from 50 to 70 very luxurious rooms. And dispatched acting chief of staff Mick Mulvaney to announce and defend the location last week. The president has pretty much made it very clear since he's got here um, that he doesn't profit from being here. Outcry from both sides of the aisle, forcing a rare course correction from the Oval Office. He was honestly surprised at the level of pushback. At the end of the day, you know, he still considers himself to be a, in the hospitality business. Mulvaney also trying to clarify his Thursday comments that the president tied military aid for Ukraine with investigating former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter. I have news for everybody. Get over it. There's going to be political influence in foreign policy. Today insisting that the aid was only held up to force Ukraine to tackle corruption and force European countries to also contribute and that there was no quid pro quo. You were asked by Jonathan Carl, is that you've described a quid pro quo and you said that happens all the time. Well, and, and, and reporters will use their language all the time. So if my language never said quid pro quo. Massive anti-government demonstrations enter their fourth day in Lebanon. Lebanon. 
thousands of people gathering in the city's central square, waving flags and chanting, bring down the regime. These are the largest demonstrations Lebanon has seen in five years, spreading beyond Beirut to the main towns and cities. The unrest erupted after the government proposed new taxes, adding pressure to Lebanon's growing economic crisis. Three people are dead after a supermarket was set on fire in Chile. Santiago and other Chilean cities have been besieged by rioting over the past week. The protest is over a strike, a spike in the cost of transit systems. Most flights were suspended this morning because of a curfew and public transportation shutdown. This was the scene in Hong Kong today after two weeks of relative calm. Pro-democracy demonstrators threw Molotov cocktails at police. They retaliated with tear gas. Thousands of people caused chaos, trashing shops and Chinese banks. Police also detonated what was believed to be some kind of bomb. More secrets of ancient Egypt have been revealed as archaeologists unveil 30 wooden coffins with mummies inside. They date back 3,000 years. It's the biggest discovery of its kind in more than a century. They were found inside a tomb in southern Egypt. The coffins will be restored and put on display at a museum outside of Cairo. A first look tonight at actress Felicity Huffman's life in prison. She's halfway through her 13-day sentence, punishment for her part in the college admissions scandal to which she pled guilty. And tomorrow, three other parents are expected to change their pleas in the case. It's not a role actress Felicity Huffman auditioned for, but the cameras found her, clad in a green jumpsuit, walking the grounds of a low-security prison in Dublin, California. Her hair tucked underneath a white baseball cap on her way to meet husband William H. Macy and eldest daughter Sophia Grace. Until next Sunday, the former Desperate Housewives headliner... I would do anything for you. You are my daughter. ...has a less glamorous identity. Prison inmate 77806-112. Once she goes into prison, she's a number and a name, just like everybody else. Jennifer Myers served 14 months in federal prison on drug charges and advises people sentenced to serve time. She's going to be in a state of shock that probably isn't really going to leave until she gets out of prison. It's going to take her time to get over this experience. Huffman's 13-day sentence, coming after she shelled out $15,000 to have her daughter's SAT answers corrected. Part of a sprawling scandal, nicknamed Varsity Blues, that's led to indictments for more than 30 parents all tied to an alleged fixer, Rick Singer. So far, 10 of those parents have been sentenced, nine of them to jail time. And according to the U.S. Attorney's Office, now another three are changing their pleas from not guilty to guilty and are expected in court Monday, something Lori Loughlin may want to take note of. The former Full House actress who's pleaded not guilty to funneling half a million dollars to Singer to get her daughter into college. Loughlin has a court hearing in mid-January. Though the current state of Huffman's wardrobe and living environment, perhaps the only reminder she needs. Sam Brock, NBC News. For some of us, even three hours is too long to be in the air. But this weekend, a record test flight was completed. A Qantas Boeing 787 Streamliner Dreamliner touched down in Sydney, Australia, 
early this morning after a flight of nearly 20 hours, making it the world's longest non-stop commercial flight. 49 people were on board. It was used to run a series of tests to assess the effects of ultra-long-haul flights on fatigue and jet lag on crew and passengers. To give the plane sufficient fuel range to avoid refueling, the flight took off with restricted baggage load and no cargo. That flight last night was 16,200 kilometres. We were airborne for 19 hours and 16 minutes, and we landed here in Sydney with a comfortable 70 minutes of fuel. This is the first of three test flights that's going to uh, come up with recommendations about how we manage pilot fatigue, how we actually manage passenger jet lag, and after 19 hours on the flight, I think we've gotten this right. I feel like we've been on a, on a flight a lot shorter than that, feel refreshed, feel great. We're working towards us making a decision on the business case by the end of this year, and it will likely be from 2023 when the aircraft are available. And we do want to see this to be a daily event from New York. We also did a lot of um, exercise, group exercise, at at prescribed intervals. We did the Macarena in the economy cabin. Uh, we did some stretching exercises. <laughs> okay, and have a look at this. A conservation group in Peru has returned six rescued sea lions to the ocean. The pups had all lost their mothers and were struggling on their own. The group nursed the lions back to health and taught them how to survive. The six were set free on a beach south of Lima. There you go, little guy. We have some breaking news to tell you about. One person has been sent to hospital after a multi-vehicle crash in Cloverdale. One of the vehicles ended up in the ditch and others were damaged in the collision that happened late this afternoon on 40th Avenue and 184th Street. Surrey fire crews and RCMP responded to the scene just after 4.30. Despite the number of vehicles involved, only one person was hurt and their injuries are described as minor. A warning to motorists in that area, though. Streets are closed to traffic at this time and they likely will be for a little while longer. The city in India that is struggling with a monkey infestation. We're going to have that story for you right now. We were going to have it for you after Yvonne's forecast, but we're going to tell you about it right now. A city in northern India is in the grips of a menacing scourge. These red-faced baboons have been spreading havoc in parts of Agra with reports of conflicts between humans and animals increasing. They've also been snatching food and breaking into homes and offices around the city. The mayor of Agra says the city is living in terror and they're trying to deal with the situation. That does not look like a lot of fun, Yvonne. Nope. <laughs> Are you ready for us? I am ready for you. A little technical issue? A little technical hiccup, but all, all right. is good now. All right, we're going to get to the forecast, especially for tomorrow. If you're heading out for election day, do get out and vote. We do have some rainfall that we're tracking this evening, but another system is pushing in. It'll be heavy at times through the day. We're sitting at 8 degrees with the northeasterly wind at 15 kilometers per hour. It was cool for many spots across the province. Kamloops at 7 today, a high from the peace just above the freezing mark and into the double digits for areas near Victoria at 11. Most of the 
moisture is going to ease off. Just a chance of showers across Metro Vancouver and the south coast. But this is what's in behind it. This system pushing in very wet and windy. The bulk of the moisture is really going to be across coastal sections and the timeline for tomorrow. By the morning, rain and heavy at times. It continues through the day. Most areas for the interior, the concern will be for higher elevations, which we are tracking some snowfall. So periods of rain for our Monday, and then it is going to ease off. A drying trend is kicking in for Tuesday and similar for our Wednesday. A few of the numbers that we're looking at for rainfall totals, Metro Vancouver could see 20 and potentially up to 50 millimeters by tomorrow evening. Higher amounts will be along the North Shore Mountains. Your election day forecast, grab the rain gear and then Umbrella. It is going to be soggy through the day tomorrow and a high closer to 12. And a reminder, the, close, the polls close at 7 tomorrow evening. Uh, snow level will be sitting closer to 1,200 metres. And it's the following spots that we're tracking the potential for snowfall. Two and up to five centimetres for the Coquihalla and Connector. Allison and Rogers Pass up to two centimetres. And closer to the summit for the Kootenay Pass is five and up to 10 centimetres of snowfall. So keep that in mind, especially overnight and for the early morning hours on Monday. The piece, a bit of instability, risk of freezing rain, 5 and up to 10 centimetres overnight, easing off with a chance of flurries. Temperatures will be at 3 tomorrow and then rebounding on Wednesday, sunny and back up to 8. Whitehorse, very chilly for the morning hours, wind chill sitting at minus 11. Most areas along the north coast, rain and heavy at times, tapering off to a chance of showers for Tuesday, Wednesday. Caribou and central interior, the winds are going to ramp up southerly with gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour. Columbia and Kootenay will see the snow level at around 1,000 and then rising to 1,500 meters through the day, highs up to 7 degrees. For the tops in Okanagan, 10 degrees tomorrow, rainfall, gusty winds at times up to 40 kilometers per hour, a clearing late day Tuesday and Whistler. Periods of rain, highs up to 7 degrees, a break on the way Tuesday, bumping up to 10. And the island, periods of rain and 12 degrees, the rain developing for the morning hours through the day tomorrow. Highs up to 12 degrees, 30 and potentially up to 50 millimetres. And then a much-needed break will be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, potentially, is when we'll hang on to drier conditions. And then leading in towards our Friday... That's we'll be seeing unsettled conditions and 13 degrees. But it's really Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But with the rainfall tomorrow, please get out, vote. You'll just need that rain gear. Exactly. It'll be on the soggy side, but you've been warned. So when you go out tomorrow to vote, it is going to be a wet one. And then Tuesday onwards, a nice break. Much Think needed. Of the- what you've got to look forward to on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Okay, we want to show you the seasonal competition before we get to Yvonne and Barry. A race this weekend show. There is more to pumpkins than just carving and eating. Dozens of giant pumpkins set sail in Utah's ginormous pumpkin regatta. That's what it's called. Teams of pumpkin paddlers took off in colorful costumes, testing their ability to balance in the giant gourds. Yes, and before the races, growers competed at the annual weigh-in. The top pumpkin... 1,600 pounds. What kind of fertilizer were they using? <laughs> it's a lot of pie. Wow. Yes, yeah. a lot of pie. I don't want to be carving one of them. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in Sports Bear? Well, uh, like a lot of tourists, the Canucks weren't so quite excited to visit New Jersey, but <laughs> Broadway was fun. <laughs> so they kind of uh, stepped it up in the bright lights and uh, really bounced back after a really kind of a dull performance yesterday. They won 3-2 over the Rangers. We'll have highlights of that. And the Seahawks uh, looking for another win at home, but didn't go so well for them. So that's all coming up. Okay. I was just talking to Barry, but I like your choice of descriptors for the Canucks. You do. Well, mm-hmm. maybe I'll share it with the rest oh, of the people okay. to see what they think. I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> 
Thanks, Colleen. The uh, Canucks were listless yesterday in New Jersey, but they were uh, bright and dynamic on Broadway today, racing out to a 3-0 lead on the Rangers in the first before hanging on for a 3-2 victory. That is five wins in their last six, and you just have to love the way they bounce back. Jacob Markstrom back from Sweden after uh, addressing family personal issues there. He had a strong game, and the Canucks came out strong on the power play. They'd not yet scored a power play goal on the road this year, 0 for 21 until Bo Horvat took it off his skate and ripped it in for his second of the road trip. 1-0 Canucks. Strong opening period from Vancouver. Elias Pettersson forces the turnover. Brock Besser from the slot powers it through the glove of Henrik Lundqvist. And it's 2-0 Canucks, and they weren't done yet. While shorthanded, Jay Beagle and Tim Schaller break out 2-on-1. Beagle keeping all the way, and he will shelf it for his first of the year. Another special teams goal from the Canucks. Maybe their best period of the season. They had 20 shots and a three-goal lead. In the second, they had a chance to pile on that lead. Michael Furland in alone. Lundqvist, great save. Brock Besser had a wide-open net, but fired wide. It should have been 5 or 6 nothing. but Lundqvist made some big saves, and the Canucks missed the net a bit. And then the Rangers did come back. Jacob Truba's point shot tipped in by Jesper Fast. 3-1 Canucks after two, and in the third period, the Rangers will get to within one. Brandon Sutter can't get it out. Artemi Panarin on the one-timer. It's a 3-2 hockey game. Now things are getting tight. Canucks third game in four days, back-to-back. They're tired. The Rangers came in waves, but Markstrom made 37 saves, including that big one in the final minute. The Canucks had just six shots on goal in the third, but they sneak out of the gardens with a 3-2 win. They're now 5-3 on the season, and they complete the road trip Tuesday in Detroit. Tonight, Oilers and Jets from Winnipeg. Edmonton off to the 7-1 start. Scoreless in this game. All the firepower on both sides. No one can find the net until Carl Dahlstrom beats Mike Smith for his first career NHL goal. But hold everything. The Oilers challenge for offside, and upon further review, it was offside. So no goal. It remains scoreless. And Dahlstrom still looking for his first NHL goal. They are scoreless right now, very late in overtime. Vancouver Giants finished off a three games in a three days weekend and maybe a little tired today at the LEC as they fall 3-1 to the Victoria Royals. The uh, Giants just 7-7 through their first 14 games. Russell Wilson is having an incredible season. Some say he is the front runner for the MVP. Maybe it's his best ever in his seven plus years in the NFL. But today at home, Wilson was the second best quarterback by quite a wide margin as Ravens second year QB Lamar Jackson put on a dynamic display and led the Ravens to an upset victory. Former Seahawk Earl Thomas returning to Seattle for the first time since signing with the Ravens last spring. It wasn't a friendly split. He saw his old friend Russell Wilson in fine form early. Big pressure, but still gets it away to Tyler Lockett, who makes the diving catch for the touchdown. 7-3 Seahawks led. Now, Lamar Jackson already at 460 yards rushing through six games, easily the most by any quarterback. And the second-year QB was the running man again today. A 28-yard dash here just makes it look so effortless. It led to a Baltimore field goal. Now, Wilson, the only starting quarterback in the NFL yet to throw an interception. You know what's coming. A rare bad decision by Russell. It's not only picked off, but taken all the way back for the pick six. Marcus Peters, 67 yards for the touchdown. Ravens led 13-10. 
third quarter, the Ravens decide to go for it on fourth and two. And when you have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, why not? Easily makes it in for the touchdown. 2013 Ravens. Fourth quarter, third and long, deep in their own territory. Seahawks need a stop, but Jackson does it again. Takes off, runs past Seahawks defenders like they're standing still. A 30-yard run, keeps the drive alive, and then later on in the drive, what a weapon he is. Another 13-yard scramble when he looked like he would get sacked. He had 116 on the day. He's on pace for 1,300 yards this season, which would smash Michael Vick's record of 1,039 back in 2006. The Seahawks kind of fell apart. Rookie DJ Metcalf drops the ball after the catch, scooped in and run in for the touchdown by Marlon Humphrey. And the Ravens win for the first time ever in Seattle, 30-16. Both teams 5-2. and two. Earl Thomas, a happy man to come back to Seattle and beat the Seahawks soundly. NFC West leading 49ers trying to stay perfect at 1 and 5 in Washington at 1 and 5 Washington. San Fran paid quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo a lot of money, but it's their defense that's been outstanding. They sat Case Keenum here. It was still scoreless in the third. 49ers got some field goals. Their defense took care of the rest. Another sack of Keenum. 49ers now 6-0 after the 9-0 win. Their defense has allowed just 10 points in their last three games. Saints and Bears, New Orleans still has not lost since Drew Brees went down four games ago with a thumb injury. Teddy Bridgewater doing the job again today. Seven-yard touchdown pass to Josh Hill. Hey, who needs Drew Brees, who could be back next week? But why would you ruin a good thing? No, he'll be back if he's healthy. Third quarter, Bridgewater again, this time to the backup quarterback, Taysom Hill, for the touchdown. Saints go to 6-1 and one as they thump the Bears 36-25. Bridgewater, an impressive 5-0 and oh in Breeze's absence. Packers at Lambeau Field taking on the Oakland Raiders. Aaron Rodgers had himself a day. He will hit Jake Kumaro, 37-yard touchdown as Kumaro just dives inside the pylon. Third touchdown pass of the day already for Rodgers. 21-10 pack at the half. Third quarter, Rodgers is going to keep it. Doesn't do this too often, but he gets in for the touchdown. 28-10 Green Bay. And in the fourth, Rodgers with the quick strike here to Marquez. Valdez Scantling. Scantling then does the scampering. 74 yards, fifth touchdown pass for Rodgers, who threw for 429 yards. He had a perfect quarterback rating on the day. The Pack go to 6-1 and one after the 42-24 win. Vikings trying to keep pace with Green Bay, visiting the Lions in Detroit. Late second, Matthew Stafford, 10 yards to Marvin Jones, who had four touchdown catches today for the Lions. It was 21 all at the half, but in the third, the Vikings pull away. Kirk Cousins to C.J. Ham on a nicely designed play. Five-yard touchdown, 28-21 Minnesota. And then in the fourth, Cousins will seal the deal as he finds Kyle Rudolph. Fourth TD pass of the day for Cousins. And the Vikings looking good, 42-30 over Detroit. Minnesota now 5-2. and two. Welcome back. Another one of Canada's bright young tennis stars has had a breakout moment. 20-year-old Denis Shapovalov won his first ATP Tour event today in Sweden, winning the Stockholm Open. That's the first tournament win for a Canadian man in singles since Milos Raonic won in Brisbane back in 2016. Shapovalov beat Serbia's Filip Krajinovic, 6-4, 6-4. With the win, Dennis moves up to number 27 in the world. Also today, Vancouver's Vashik Pospisil won a challenger event in Las Vegas. Vashik playing very well right now, three months after that back surgery. Here's Dennis now on that first ever win.
It's uh, definitely a big step for me. Um, you know, as some of you know, I struggled to get past the semifinals. So to lift to lift my first title here and here in Stockholm, you know, out of all places, I I love the city so much. It's it's incredible for me. So hopefully, like you said, I could take it far because. I mean, some of the names up here, all of the names up there are, are unbelievable players. So hopefully I can, uh, I can back that up as well. Rugby World Cup quarterfinals. Japan trying to keep their magical run going in tough against South Africa today. The Springboks just wore down the Japanese. Uh, look at all that muscle up front for South Africa. Big power on this driving mall as they push the Japanese back about 30 yards. And then scrum half, Faf de Klerk will take it over the line here for the try. And South Africa, just a little too much for the Japanese, who had a wonderful World Cup as host. But they go down by the final of 26-3. Springboks off to the semis where they're 5-2 and two in their World Cup history. France meeting Wales in the other quarter. French were in total control of this match until the 49th minute when French locks Sebastian Baja Mahina getting a little over-aggressive to say the least, delivers a vicious elbow to the face of Wales flanker Aaron Wainwright. Elbow was initially missed. They went to video replay and Baja Mahina, guilty as charged, sent off on a red card and the Welsh took over from there. Ross Moriarty on the late try with under seven minutes to play as Wales wins 2019. So they'll meet South Africa in one semifinal, New Zealand and England in the other semi next weekend. MLS playoffs, Philadelphia Union and New York Red Bulls. Former Whitecap Tim Parker, a big part of the Red Bulls' back line. He can also deliver some timely goals. Check out the uh, header here by Parker off the corner. He's the second header on that goal, gets it inside the corner, but the Red Bulls couldn't hold 2-0 and 3-1 leads in the 76th. Philadelphia equalized Fafa Pico with the header 3-3, and for the third time in the first round this weekend, we need extra time in the MLS playoffs, and it's Marco Fabian with the attempted cross, takes a deflection, loops over the Red Bulls keeper and in, and the Union win 4-3. They'll meet Atlanta in one East semi, Toronto and New York City FC will play in the other. English Premiership, 8-0 Liverpool looking to stay perfect at Old Trafford without the injured Mo Salah. Liverpool trailed late until this cross somehow makes it through to Adam Lalana. He smashes it in and Liverpool does rescue a point, 1-1 draw, but it's their first blemish in nine EPL matches. Their lead over Man City now six points atop the table. And final round of the Buick LPGA Shanghai. Brooke Henderson led this tournament after 36 holes, but she did not have a good weekend. A pair of 1 over 73s. A rare birdie here, but the look on her face says it all. She's not happy. She finished ninth. Always expects a lot from herself. American Danielle King with the birdie here at the 15th, and she wins it by a shot over Jessica Corda. She won this tournament last year as well. Today's her 27th birthday. She won the tournament and 315,000 U.S. dollars. I'd say that's a pretty good present. I would say not so bad. Too. And we can cut Brooke Henderson some slack. Yeah. She's pretty cool. Yeah, she's usually pretty good on the weekends, just uh, didn't work this time. Yeah. A cool poll you can sink your teeth into, where voters can put their money where their mouths are, even if the politicians don't. Burger Heaven Restaurant in New Westminster has once again been providing voters with a different way to cast their ballots with their palate. After three weeks of voting, the Jug Meat Sing Burger is the clear winner with 35% support. It includes a nicely done patty of lean to the left prime grade A beef 
onions, tomato, orange cheddar served on a multi-grain bun. The Elizabeth May burger finished second. We're going to guess that's a veggie burger with 22% support. The Justin Trudeau and Andrew Scheer burgers are in third and fourth place respectively with 19 and 17% of the vote. We just do a play on words with what their platform is. We kind of use some of our ingredients as towards what their platform represents. So um, basically for us, it's just basically, it's to have, to get people to have some fun with it and just kind of joke around and laugh as opposed to trying to take politics seriously 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But interestingly, he did say that it reflects the politics of New West, the way that the, um, the results ended up. So. It'll be fun tomorrow. We'll find out tomorrow at this time if the burger was right. Thanks for joining us. Jordan will be here at 11. Take care.